Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. TriStar Film Distributors present the Motion Picture Event of the Year. The year of 1125 A.D. That's him! Robin Hood! Good evening. The Hoods from the Woods are back. Yo, yo, yo! Check it out! Little John. Ow! Prince John. More bubbles. Oh, yeah, just now it's happening. The Sheriff of Rottingham. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> I accept. Hello, welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and look at them through a modern lens. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is Blaine Waters. I don't know why I have that accent. <laughs> what was that? that? Was really weird. It was Blaine Waters. I don't know. I don't know why I'm from. Where New are York you from? Something. A cartoon. <laughs> and Jay, I'm you're here too, right? Save me. Uh, I don't know if I want to say my name now. I'm worried that I'm going to spontaneously create an accent. Also, <laughs> and that Jay, yeah, I am. Uh, no, no, not okay. Uh, I, I'm J.M. McNabb. Uh, yeah. And uh, we're Rewatchability. We're an Entertainment One podcast. And before we get into the subject of this week's movie, we should first of all thank our Patreons. Those are the people who give us a little bit of money each month, helps keep the podcast going. And in return, you get some perks like the podcast early. You sometimes get some bonus content like our Indiana Jones watch-along commentary, which should be out there by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I mean, we we go on some tangents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was on it. Like I knew we'd have fun, but it was more fun than I thought it would be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I too had low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I prefaced it with that I knew it would be fun. Oh. But any of our Patreons, that's going to be accessible to. So if you go to patreon.com slash rewatchability, donate even one dollar, one measly dollar, and that will be uh, yours to listen to and enjoy, hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> rewatchability does not guarantee enjoyment of any kind. Yeah, that's right. We, it's more of a contract when we're asking you to pay for it. It's free. We don't have any expectations. Today, we're talking about Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and on the mini-sode, last week, we talked about our first times watching it. It was a movie that I think we all thought was huge. 
was actually not so huge. Uh, we all thought was great. Was actually not very well regarded. So it's a good movie to talk about right now just to find out what the heck is up with this film. Well, I think it was kind of like the perfect for our age group and, you know, demographic is what I, is what I think. It really hit us perfectly. Totally. We were in the 10-year-old bubble. Yeah, because I remember thinking like – because I was watching it, not to spoil exactly how I felt about it, but I, as I was watching it this time, I was thinking, well, why did it make so much money? And then I looked it up. And I was like, oh, it actually didn't make that much money. Why did everybody love it so much? Oh, it was <laughs> critically derided by nearly everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bubble has burst. <laughs> if you don't remember what happens in Robin Hood Men in Tights, you can think about any other Robin Hood movie. Um, but just in case you don't remember any of those either, I will give you a little bit of a rundown. It starts with some flaming arrows, which sort of burn away the credits. And th there is remarkable restraint on this, because it goes for like four minutes without doing the joke. <laughs> it I would say that's, a, that's a, a guiding principle in this movie. <laughs> We'll call it restraint. Yeah. We'll call it restraint. <laughs> we see the, the king's men shooting arrows, and uh, the villagers are all angry, and they're like, Stop Mel Brooks from burning down our village! There has to be a better way to do the credits! Yeah, because they say every time a Robin Hood movie comes along, they burn down their village. That's a funny joke. Yeah, that was pretty fair. good. That was pretty funny. This is... The story of Robin Hood, and it starts not in merry old England. It starts in Jerusalem, where Robin has gone to the Crusades, and he is being thrown into a uh, Arabic prison. And you know, there are some stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some stereotypes. Well, here. I see. I couldn't. I wasn't sure, like, how much of it was like bad Hollywood stereotypes in this movie and how much of it was a commentary on the bad Hollywood stereotypes in Prince of Thieves. I know, because it's tricky. Because opening is straight out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and as we've got like uh, the great character actor Brian George is like the, the sort of maitre d' of the, uh, right. <laughs> the torture he, chamber. Is he, he's the one named Falafel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So this is I I don't know if you guys have seen the Lindsay Ellis video about Mel Brooks and about parody. No. no. She, it's it's on YouTube. It's really worth the watch, but this whole conversation I think is is well prefaced by saying that sometimes satire can undo itself and not be satire anymore mm. and just just be awful again. And I don't I think Mel Brooks is probably one of the one of like our best satirists. So I, I don't know how much he does that, but it's worth kind of like bringing it up that maybe sometimes he does overstep or he definitely thinks other people overstep. Uh, I yeah. don't know if he, is he the one of our, I mean, I love Mel Brooks. He seems like a wonderful man and I <laughs> love a lot of his movies, but when I think of Mel Brooks, I don't necessarily think of satire. Yeah. Am I really? wrong in saying like he pushes some buttons and but even like I like my favorite Mel Brooks movie is Young Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Right. And Young Frankenstein at no time feels like a 
satire of Universal monster movies. It feels like a comedy in the world of Universal For monster sure. movies. It doesn't right. feel like it's making fun of every, anything so much as it's it's doing something absurd in that setting. Yeah, if that makes. I sense. I mean, I think you could well, argue I, that like Blazing Saddles has elements of satire in it, and and definitely the producers with uh, with Springtime for Hitler and stuff like that. Yeah, but what's uh, that a satire of? Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, what he said was that it was a satire, and this is from the Lindsay Ellis video, uh, the satire of the kind of performative aspects of the Reich and how they would, like their propaganda, and that it was all a song and dance. And that's why you couldn't make fun of it in the Nazi in Nazi Germany, because it was so fun. It was so stupid and performative to begin with that it wouldn't hold up. To being made fun of. See, I didn't so even get that. Yeah. To me, it was more, if it was a satire of anything, it felt like a satire of like Broadway, the upper classes, and right. yeah, how how sort of rich people misinterpret art. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know, but I, like he, he's just he's a goofy. Even Robin, like this Robin Hood movie, it feels like he really wanted to do a Robin Hood movie. Yeah. Like he takes some pot shots at uh, Prince of Thieves, but it doesn't feel like a biting satire to me. I, anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but that's that's totally that's totally fair. It's just then I don't know where to slot in some of this like racial humor throughout this. Well, I mean, some of it movie. is just that he's uh, you know, it's bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mel Brooks loves stereotypes for better or worse, probably for worse right. sometimes. Everybody sort of gets it. German people Jewish people. I'm not saying that it's okay when he stereotypes Arab people like the way that he does in like the prison. But it's kind of that kind of South Parky thing where it, like no one is exempt from the the humor. Yes. Like, and speaking of South Park, direction. Isaac Hayes is there. <laughs> <laughs> he played the chef. Yeah, that was weird. Jam's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I mean, and I, I love Isaac Hayes. I've probably said this on the show before, but I saw Isaac Hayes in concert once. Really? One of the greatest concerts I've ever seen in my life. Damn. Did he play theme from Shaft? He did. It was oh, probably... Oh, man. It was at least 45 minutes long. Oh, yes. <laughs> because at a certain point, like they just like kept the beat, and he just started like telling stories. <laughs> Uh, One time it, I went on the bus. Do, 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 do. No, it was it was like it was an electric show. What, what a wonderful show! What a wonderful performer. Uh, uh-huh. no, it doesn't get a lot to do here. <laughs> no, no. Give him a song. Uh, a sneeze is the character's name, which sets us up for the Dave Chappelle character's very clever name, a chew. <laughs> Yeah. What, what, what was Morgan Freeman's name in Prince of Thieves? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I'm not it, sure. w- it wasn't a chew. I know that. No. I don't know. But it's it's kind of like on the level of like a medium quality like Mad Magazine parody, you know? <laughs> like it's... Yeah. Like I loved Mad Magazine when I was a kid too, but it's you know it's it, it feels like a chew and a sneeze were like maybe like the runners up to like a Mad Magazine bit. Yeah, the the thing that I kept on noticing throughout this movie is that it kind of felt like first draft. E, I was like, there's better jokes here. Like I feel like there's better jokes if you if you spent more time. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to cut in, but uh, Morgan Freeman's character in Prince of Thieves was named Azim. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Was that so his they... actual name or is that what uh, John Travolta introduced him as? <laughs> <laughs> Solid. But so they escape from the prison and Robin Hood makes a promise to uh, seek out his son and then he swims back to England. It's very funny. They play the row, row, row your boat song and he arrives on the shores of his homeland and immediately finds Achu being roughed up by some of the sheriff's men. And this is Dave Chappelle in his first filmic role. Before A Star is Born, he was, uh, I don't know, here. I was I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm glad we're doing a comedy because of everything that's happening in the world. It's nice to, you know, take a break from that for a bit. And then it's uh, it's like <laughs> Dave Chappelle, who everyone's been asking, like, where is he? Where's, what's his stance on all this? And I'm like, well, just watch his other specials, you know. And he's getting beat up by the police and mentions Rodney King like right off the bat. And I'm like, oh, God. It's just, yeah, he says, I sure hope somebody's videotaping this. Yeah. To me, that was like, it was a weird moment in terms of like how different the world is now yeah. and how the same it is at the same time because yeah. we're still getting the same tragedies playing out and in terms of police brutality. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's that's not an insightful statement, but the fact that like we're we're dealing with these same issues and dave chappelle went from a kid in his first movie role yeah, yeah. and now he's you know commenting on similar issues in his stand up special but he's you know this legendary comedian like this this kind of legend of comedy it was just kind of a, like a weird it's just it also, just a way, weird way of kind of accounting for how much time has elapsed since this movie in a way. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it also just felt so tone deaf watching it because we're oh yeah you know just because of all the violence that has been perpetrated uh, against black people like just just b- since the the protesting has started that like I I don't think. Like how how in bad taste was it that this was made after just soon after Rodney King, but then like also that it seems even worse taste now. Uh, just yeah, I don't know me. if it's I don't know if it's bad taste. I don't know if it's tone deaf. I think that like it's one of those things that like back, especially back in the day, that people weren't talking about and wasn't an issue, and so making fun of it, you know, in in a movie is bringing awareness to it, and you know, that's to- that's totally it out. fair. That's totally fair, but I think. If it were to be made now, that would be the first thing on the cutting room floor, just because people don't want to make light of it anymore because it is so pronounced now because of the protests. Well, I think it's who who. Well, I mean, it's an entirely want making light of it. Too. You know, it's an entirely like, different situation. It's awful for its own reasons, yeah. and it, yeah, it's it was also. I mean, this was what two years after the the Rodney mm-hmm. King. I think so. Incident, uh, maybe yeah, just one like, year. It was 92, pretty, wasn't it? I thought it was 91. I'm not sure. But I could be anyway. wrong. Let's not get hung up on debating whether it's a <laughs> bad joke or not, because there's a lot of bad jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we've got a lot to get through. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> I don't know, bad joke or not. They get to Robin's estate, and uh, it's being taken away. It's being taken by the sheriff for uh, not, not payment of uh, back taxes or something like that. And uh, this is where we meet Blinken, his visually impaired friend. Blinken! Master Robin, is that you? Yes! 
We're back from the Crusades? Yes! And alive? Yes! Oh, happy day! I'm quite sure there was a door there. Master Robin! Oh! You lost your arms in battle! Oh, how terrible! But you grew some nice boobs. Blinkin, I'm over here. Oh. The joke that I always remember from a kid was the uh, Braille Playboy. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah, yeah. I always wondered uh, if it was yeah. real as a kid. I was like, is that... Anyway. There is. I mean, they do have a Braille edition. People like to uh, feel the articles. <laughs> yeah, I, th- there are, like, a lot of jokes about... <laughs> About how this man is blind. Like, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that would work today. No, I mean, there's a reason why like Mr. Magoo hasn't re- been rebooted in 30 years. <laughs> uh, also, I'm pretty sure I have hazy recollections of Prince of Thieves, but in that, it's like Robin's sort of servants was like blinded by yeah, he was the burned sheriff, by hot right? poker. Right. His eyes burned like, out. Yeah. Like it was, that's not what happened here, but it's a, it's a weird, even just in story terms, like in, in that other movies, it's a weird kind of foundation for like 90 minutes of jokes. <laughs> this poor man was blinded. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the performance by that actor though. I think it's a really great, uh, you know, he really gives it at all for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we also meet the rest of the Lost Boys. No, it's not Lost Boys. Uh, Merry Men. <laughs> they yes. grew up. They grew up. <laughs> there's uh, Little John, and there's uh, Will Scarlet O'Hara, sort of clever. And uh, that's That was like the weirdest. I, I like that scene where he meets Little John, and they're just fighting over like a puddle, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I love and the bridge. And Chappelle like, hops on either side <laughs> of the shore. Yeah. <laughs> But then, like, yeah, we meet Will Scarlet, and he's like, Will Scarlet, O'Hara. And they're like, what? And he's like, we're from Georgia. And then there's, like, another, like, oh. Like, it's (laughs) probably, like, a minute of screen time dedicated to a vaguely amusing name. Yeah. (laughs) And it doesn't come back at any point, either. He doesn't do, like, a, you know... A Southern Belle later. No. Disappointing. What what I do like about this movie is that there's a pun on everyone's anyone you meet, there's a pun on that name. It might not come right away, but it'll 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 be there. Well even Rottingham is uh it's not it's not Rottingham in the it's Nottingham. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. It's and even tricky. even in the end you have like King John and you're like, Oh, what are you gonna do with that? And then when he's Arrested, they say from here on out, every porta potty is going to be named a John. And you're like, okay, so you did. You made the pun on that too. That's the best part. I mean, if you think that's not funny, then fuck you. <laughs> fuck this podcast. Oh, I love it. I did think that was kind of funny, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. No, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Maid Marian, of course, is a big part of this story. And uh, in this particular version, there's a little bit of a spin. She has this, like, chastity belt. And this was, I think, I mean, when I first saw this when I was 10-year-old, I was not prepared for the uh, kinks that it was going to lead me to. It was, (laughs) you know, way too messed up. It is is a little... I, I was just talking to someone about this today, but it's it's a it's a little like this whole Maid Marian thing. She's coming out of the tub with the hair over. It's it's very. Did you say a, a little? A little? 
it's it's erotic. It's erotic. Yeah. I mean, I, th- this was one of the parts that I remembered the most from the movie for some reason. And now I'm sort of starting to wonder about it. Like, is this, this is, I mean, something that might be problematic or I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, there is, there is a scene later in the movie where a man tries to jackhammer the chastity belt open, which I, I don't think is a joke you would make today. I will say that I think uh, she is hilarious. Is it Amy Yazbek? Is her name? Yeah, mm-hmm. Amy Yazbek. She was in The yeah. Mask. And, she's uh... she's one of the things I remember being really funny in this movie. One of the one of the like I, I was talking to my wife and even like the fact the way she says like I'm so hippie like that <laughs> that is something like I feel like I still say to this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's definitely one of the high points in this movie. She, I feel like she really gets Mel Brooks and gets material and like just runs with it and uh, and just takes a lot of weird risks and it pays off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I sort of like I was trying to think about whether or not like this part of the movie was satire or like where it came from or whether it's just like Mel Brooks being horny. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, horny, period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it's not something that's not something that's in Prince of Thieves or anything. Like, it's, it no. doesn't feel like, uh, or any, really any Robin Hood I can think of. Like, no. I don't think I'd ever seen, like, a chastity belt in a movie before this movie. No. I don't, so I don't think know. I've seen one since in a <laughs> feature film. <laughs> and, and he has looked. <laughs> listeners yeah <laughs> uh there is no no one is catering to rob's particular fetish but, hollywood get on that yeah uh, untapped market but i yeah i don't Ready know I, I was trying to i don't know if you guys found anything but I, like i was trying to look into like the making of this movie to see if i could find anything i couldn't really find much like because i don't know because there are two other screenwriters attached to the script. So I mm-hmm. wasn't sure if it was the kind of thing where like two guys wrote a Robin Hood parody and Mel Brooks took it and kind of Mel Brooksified it, you know? Yeah. So that is I, what happened. I, I can't I don't know who to whom we should attribute this horniness is my point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a collective horniness. Well I think that there's a horny streak in Mel Brooks's movies. I think like the women in Mel Brooks's movies sometimes don't get like the best shot, you know? Yeah, and also, like, in his follow-up, Dracula Dead and Loving It, for sure, is uh, is also painfully horny. And that's another that's another reason I think I thought this movie was, like, a huge hit, because he, he just a couple of years later, he did a very similar movie with Dracula. Yeah. 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 I don't remember that being as successful as this, which it wasn't successful. So. <laughs> it must have been really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we haven't even talked about the one of the highlights, I think, of this movie is the sheriff of Rottingham, who is played by Roger Rees. Yeah. And so he's good. great. I mean, where, obviously where he's he gone. Well, he died. He, oh, passed he passed away. Like right so. after this movie or? No, it was like a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I, I did look him up and he's done. I mean, he's had a career. He was fucking Robin Colcord. I don't know who that is. Yeah, we don't know. That. You didn't watch Cheers? No. I've seen some episodes of Cheers, but I don't 
I don't know the entire mythology of Cheers, but yeah, I, I did see he, that he was on Cheers. He was like the millionaire who uh, was going to marry uh, Christy Alley's character. Right. Yeah. He, he, was in a, he was in a lot. He was also in the West Wing as Lord John Marbury, the sort of uh, alcoholic oh, yeah. British ambassador. He's really funny in that. I, yeah, I, he's really good in this, too. Yeah, the way he has that kind of like... I, I, yeah, I think this movie is the best when it's actors who... And a lot of them are great, like really rise above the material. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he has like a speech impediment, which on paper is not funny and it's not a funny joke, but the way he commits to it makes it funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he's, he's always like letting himself down. I I just love how he reacts <laughs> to his own foible. Yeah, and he's like a great sort of team with Richard Lewis, who plays uh, Prince John. What is it? It's what we've named a stealth. Catapult. We've been working on it secretly for months. It can hurl one of these heavy boulders undetected over a hundred yards, completely destroying anything it hits. Wow! <laughs> How does it work? Well, it's quite simple, really. You just take one of these heavy rocks, put it here where I'm sitting, and then pull on that lever. You mean like this? <laughs> oh, dear Lord. If you see fit to send me my one true love. Thank you. I didn't like Richard Lewis when I was younger, uh, but I, I, I found his performance more enjoyable this time. I think he's kind of funny. I felt like in the first scene Richard Lewis was in, he was giving kind of like a Gene Wilder performance. He was trying to go... Wilder is what I th- is what I thought. Yeah. If you, oh yeah, yeah. And if if you watch it again, I feel like you'll see some of that. Okay, it feels like they wanted Gene Wilder for the role and and, and got Richard Lewis. I don't know. Yeah, so it is happen. weird to see Richard Lewis in any movie. Yeah, like I can see him in Curb. You know, he yeah. he fits in in Curb, but uh, he was a little bit weird here. Like I remember seeing him. So he was in that movie Drunks. The like HBO movie, I think. Like he's good. He's not a bad actor. It's just it's just weird to see him not playing himself and not like you know seventy five years old. Or, yeah, know. it is strange casting. Like I don't know. It's a very strange. I'm not sure why he was picked for the part. And the, <laughs> to be you know, the other thing, like oh, my favorite line delivery of his in this movie is. The, you know, the running gag with the mole, which is always yeah. moving around in his face. <laughs> and at one point, the sheriff says, wasn't your mole on the other side? And he says, I have a mole, <laughs> which I thought was so funny when I was a kid. And it wasn't yeah. until, you know, a, a couple of years later when I finally saw Young Frankenstein that I realized that that was just the same joke. It was literally yeah. the joke with the hump uh, that Marty Feldman has. And that's another thing about this movie that... Maybe doesn't hold as well up if you've seen other Mel Brooks movies. Mm-hmm. Is he doesn't just pay homage to his films, uh, which he definitely does in a fun way in this. But he also like just straight up takes jokes like that one and, and reuses them. I don't know. How did you guys feel about that? Well, I mean, it's fine if you haven't seen the other movies. I mean, I thought that they were all funny, but yeah, after you've after you've seen them, like they just sort of they're just like cheeky references like all the walk this ways and the this and the that yeah. and the... <laughs> but then they I do mean, other things like they have uh like the hangman from blazing saddles well that's i think that's is a little fun. bit better that's more yeah, of exactly. like an homage and right. that's uh, what i mean you know it sort of like ties the two together i thought that was really great yeah yeah uh, 
Yeah. A whole bunch of Robin Hood stuff happens. Like, they have to prepare the villagers. And so, you know, they've got to get them all suited up and in their in their costumes. And, of course, this is where the famous tights come in. You see, back when they made these movies, these Robin Hood movies with Errol Flynn and all those people, they would wear tights. But then... When Kevin Costner was making his Robin Hood movie, he, he didn't wear tights. And that was, uh, that was notable. And then in this movie, they make a really big deal about the tights. And yeah. that tights, well, if you wear tights, you might just be, uh, you know, a little light in the loafers, as they used to say. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, and that's the, I think, the thing that's aged. It made it age the day after it got made was there's so many gay jokes in this. Yeah, and it's there's there's jokes kind of, and this is the thing: if you're punching every direction, if you're hitting every uh, every person to make fun of them, like there are people that have less agency in the world or are more marginalized than other people, and so you're punching down, and that's when it like starts being like, well, that's not funny. Come on, man, grow up. I mean, me. I I don't know. I think some like the Men in Tights song in this. I think. The intended target is not gay people. I think the I think the target of that. I actually think when we're talking about satire, I think the the sort of song and the central like the subtitle of the movie. I think is supposed to be saying to specifically to Kevin Costner and his Robin Hood movie. Like, come on, you're fucking Robin Hood. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You're trying well, to act so dark and broody, and you know, mm-hmm. trying to make this like this intense thing. But like, we've all seen the Errol Flynn one. Like, it's Robin Hood. Wear your tights. Like, they're they're trying to act like you know the most sort of tough, uh, yeah, dark and intense, uh, you know, warriors. But but they're yeah. wearing these green tights. I think that's more of like a meta commentary. So and and I'm I'm with you on that. It's just the other jokes, like the you know when he's like. Fagulous, you know. He's, oh yeah, so no, many. Where you're just like, come on. Uh, but yeah, no, I see that, and I also liked the the kind of, um, yeah. Sorry. I, I oh, there are good. many homophobic bad jokes yeah. in this movie. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I, I'm just talking I, about like the, specifically like that song and the subtitle. I think make a good point to a degree. Yeah. Well, and they also make fun of uh, uh, you know Kevin Costner for not having the accent because Carrie right. always is like you know yeah I have an English accent. For me, I, it seems somewhere like it seems both of them. Like it does seem like yes, he's trying to say yes, it's stupid to not wear the tights for the role. That's a that's a dumb thing to say. But also, it's bad to be gay because anybody prancing around in something like that would be gay, and you know that's deserves not what our you laughter. Be. Yeah, Th- yeah, that's right. And it feels like yeah, hmm. yeah. But the song is still really good. <laughs> yeah, that's, for sure. Yeah, that's and, uh, yeah the so- the song. But uh, yeah, I, I certainly can't defend mo- most of them. I mean, there's a reason why like like this appealed to us as small children in the '90s, and would probably not play the same to uh, anyone of any age now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What else? There's the archery tournament that they use to lure Robin Hood in, and he comes in disguise, and he's wearing his old man costume, and they've got the um, the the guy who is a better archer than him who's going to beat him, the Luca Brasi sort of character. There's some parody for you. And uh, he does the archery tournament, and he's of course he's going to win, right? But he loses. And you know that's that's the other thing. Sorry, just to talk about the other parodies because we have a Godfather parody with Dom DeLuise. Mm-hmm. 
that's the other weird thing that that this movie does is it throws in kind of parodies of random things for no reason. Like we've got the Godfather, which is kind of funny, but then he's also got like a Clint Eastwood lookalike. Yeah. That doesn't make for sense. Him. And then there's also like a kid who's supposed to look like Macaulay Culkin earlier in the movie, right. but he doesn't yeah. really, but he says like, and now I'm home alone. And then he like screams and runs away, but it's not, it's not, there's no joke. It's I didn't just, get that. It was supposed to be Macaulay Culkin. Oh yeah, no, it totally was. Oh okay. Yeah, see, it's the it's like not even a joke enough that, <laughs> that it registers as a joke. Wow. But it's it's like a blonde kid who screams, and then at a certain point he says, "I've got to go. I'm home alone." <laughs> yeah, it's more like instead of getting laughs from jokes, you're trying to get laughs from recognition. Like you're like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of like Macaulay Culkin," <laughs> but it's not like they're not constructed jokes. Yeah. 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 And it's not yeah. even like the the thing with this movie and uh and maybe some of the other Mel Brooks movies, I can't remember, but like this movie certainly tries to have that like airplane sensibility. Mm-hmm. But or like Naked Gun or I haven't seen Hot Shots in a while, but that kind of thing. <laughs> but those movies move so quickly and throw so many jokes at you that even if they throw like a bad joke at you there's another joke so quickly that like it doesn't register or you're, you're not bummed out by it. But like, but this one is just so for the most part, very slow. And we'll mm-hmm. like, like I said before, we'll have a kind of a dud joke and then have like two minutes of setup <laughs> <laughs> and like two minutes of, uh, you know, waiting for the audience to laugh on the other side. And, and even the pacing of the story, like I, one of my son's favorite movies is the Disney Robin Hood. So I've watched that a Classic. lot lately and they tell this exact story in like 70 minutes <laughs> here. It's almost two hours. And, uh, yeah. And I, I think there are sort of peaks and, and, and valleys. Cause I, I think it does kind of in the, in the second half, right around the archery tournament you're talking about, I think it picks up, but, yeah. uh, but man, it, it kind of drags in that middle for sure. I mean, it's just a lot of, like, meeting the merry man, doing this, and, like, it doesn't really, it doesn't have any, like, inertia. It doesn't really do anything. No. But early on, I mean, I think the highlight early on is is Tracy Ullman for me. As soon as it gets to her, I'm laughing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Her name is Latrine. And uh, she says, oh, we, we changed it back a few centuries ago. And he was like, oh, really? Yeah, and she's like, oh, yeah, it used to be shithouse. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, loses all of her lines. She's so great. She, uh, she's so great. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of funny people in this movie, but, yeah, there, it sort of, like, gets bogged down in all the parts. And her, like, sort of wild passion for the sheriff of Rottingham is kind of funny. So, anyway, he wins the tournament, but they're going to hang Robin Hood. They capture him unless Maid Marian marries the sheriff of Rottingham. If you promise not to kill Robin, I shall do the most disgusting thing that I can think of. Mm. Oh, and what's that? I shall marry you. What? You'll be mine. You'll give yourself to me every night. And sometimes right after lunch. Yes, but only my body... You can never have my heart, my mind, or my soul. Oh, yes, I respect that. Mm-hmm. 
And again, one of the one of the funniest jokes is straight out of Spaceballs, where they have to like pull out a copy of the movie's script to figure out yeah. that Robin gets another shot. Is just like you know pulling out the video cassette of Spaceballs. Yeah. yeah. This actually might be a good time to mention that this isn't even the first time that Mel Brooks took a crack at Robin Hood. He actually did a series in the 70s. I can't remember what it's called. It was like, I can't read my writing. When uh, Things Were Rotten. When Things Were Rotten, yeah. Which I was going to watch, but then I didn't because it seemed like <laughs> a lot of time to spend watching more Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it actually features one of the same actors, Dick Van Patten, who plays the abbot in this, played Friar Tuck in uh, that Robin Hood. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he's going to force May Marion to marry him. But at the last minute, the married men come and save the day. And the sheriff carries away Maid Marion, and this is where the fight scene happens, which they announce by saying this is the part with the fight scene. And then the key goes into Maid Marion's chastity belt, and the sheriff accidentally gets impaled and dies. But Latrine offers to save him as long as he will marry her, and she gives him a magic pill, which is a lifesaver. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it works. Huh? Uh-huh. And that's, you know, there's the happily ever after. We have the bit with Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Mm. Which is one of my favorite parts of the movie, just because uh, Patrick Stewart. But also, it's fucking creepy. <laughs> that's the part that I forgot. <laughs> the prima nocte thing? <laughs> yeah, the part where Patrick Stewart says that he gets to, like, kiss Maid Marion first, which, uh... yeah, it's a horny movie. <laughs> should have cast Adrian Brody. <laughs> You guys don't remember when he did that at the Oscar? Okay. <laughs> Someone that was a got long that time joke. ago. <laughs> Just, you have all the Oscar jokes tonight, though. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, like I remember, I remember that being a big deal for me as a kid who loved next generation. Like that's another reason why this movie just seemed like a huge movie. It's like, Oh man, they got everybody. They got the world's biggest star. Yeah. <laughs> He's on a TV show about space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I still get a little bit of pleasure from, from that sort of stuff, but it doesn't, doesn't you've really told sustain us, you've me. You've told us, Rob. you told us how much pleasure you've gotten from this movie. Okay. okay. So I have more stuff for everybody uh, after the break. We've got some trivia. We've got the behind the scenes. There's lots more to talk about, so stick around. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We are talking about Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and boy, have I got some trivia questions for you. Trivia question number tights. one, where can I buy a chastity belt? <laughs> <laughs> I have a run in my tights. What do I do? <laughs> no, we have uh, chastity belts available on our Tee Public store. <laughs> Get a uh, one of JM's Alan Rickman-designed chastity belts. <laughs> 
have to open sure. it with a spoon. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. And he was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, so that would yeah. make sense. That's the go. connection. Okay, so, all right. So we already talked about Mel Brooks borrowing from his prior work. What song in this movie is borrowed from a previous song, plagiarized, self-plagiarized, if you will, and uh, what is that original song? You guys know? Uh, well, I don't know. Was it the Maid Marian song? That's what I was going to guess. No, no. The that's, answer... That's not what I was going to guess then. Um, is, oh, it, is, it, okay. is it Men in well, Tights? Only other... yeah. Oh, you're right! Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Blaine. I didn't think you had it in you. I got it. Yeah, Men in Tights, the song, is suspiciously similar to a song. I think it's from the History of the World. It's uh, Jews in Space. Mm. But it's essentially oh, yeah. the same same melody, same sort of style. That um, was from like the end of that. There's like a teaser trailer for the History of the World Part Two that exactly of doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like Mel Brooks's music. I love I means. I love Springtime for Hitler. Great song. Yeah. I have great. his. I have that record. In fact, actually, one of my kids pulled it out, and I had to put it back in the shelf <laughs> uh, just randomly, like the. Uh, <laughs> The High Anxiety soundtrack has all, oh. uh, on the B-side, it's all like Springtime for Hitler and Young Frankenstein and stuff. Oh, wow. that's awesome. No. Okay, so question number two. So which of the Merry Men would go on to play Robin Hood in a TV series, The New Adventures of Robin Hood? I'm going to say Will Scarlet O'Hara. Hmm. Uh, do you know the actor's name? <laughs> Is it Will Scarlet O'Hara? Is it no, Christian Slater? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Christian Slater. So the answer is Matthew Peretta, who does in fact play Will Scarlet O'Hara. And yeah, he was the Robin Hood in this TV series, The New Adventures of Robin Hood. Robin Hood's one of those properties that is royalty free. I mean, anybody can produce it, so you can just do it over and over again. In fact, I think there's been like there's been two Hollywood Robin Hood movies since uh, this came out, right? Like there was yeah, the probably Russell more. Crow one. The Russell Crowe one, I know, and there was also a Guy Ritchie one a while ago, wasn't there? Yeah, with uh, I can't remember. Was it Guy Ritchie? Taron, yeah, Taron. I watched it for oh. work, and it was uh, yeah, it was really bad. It was clear like they were trying to make the Dark Knight, but as <laughs> a, I don't think it was Guy Ritchie. I think he did the King Arthur one. Oh shit! You're right. Which I, yeah, I get I them I'm confused. Wrong. But it, it was like, it was very much like they were tr just trying to do the Dark Knight. With, like, it literally <laughs> ends with, like, one of the good guys becoming a bad guy and having half his face scarred. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> not little John. <laughs> and they also, like, they wear, like, suits. Like, there's a scene where Robin Hood, who has a secret identity in this, like, they don't know that he's Robin Hood. He, uh -huh. he goes to, like, a casino night. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Well, uh, Otto I, Bathurst was the director. Yeah, I totally thought I it was Guy Richard. Otto Bathurst? Yeah. Wow. Who is he that? He directed some Peaky Blonders, Black Mirror. Um, yeah. He seems to be like a TV director that uh, this was his first big movie. Wow. Well, I would say that that makes it officially there have been enough Robin Hood movies to parody Robin Hood movies again. <laughs> Get on it, Brooks. Okay, so last question. <laughs> you want Mel Brooks to do no, not him. <laughs> no, I want him to parody this movie. There has to be like 
there has to be like an heir to the throne. Like I would like to see somebody do parody movies. I, you know, I'm. You can make a movie for cheap nowadays. You can put it on Netflix. They're making a thousand movies a day. We're starved for content. I, I would like to see some parody movies again. I mean, they don't have to be like the lowest common denominator. They can be funny. They're allowed to be funny. Well, there is. I don't know if you guys watched uh, Angie Tribeca, oh, yeah. but that was like a a naked Love gun that. style. I didn't watch it. Show. Same with um, Medical Police, I think is the the new one. David Wayne. I saw some of that. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that. Okay. So last question. This one's really hard. So I don't really expect you to get it, especially not you, Blaine. But I kind of expect expect JM to get it. So. Okay. Which Star Wars villain has a small part in this Uh, movie? I don't know. Damn. Uh, well, you know, this was a real tough one. So I, you know, so wait, wait. No, the Star Wars villain has a small part. In yeah, this movie. I mean the actor who plays a Star Wars villain. I guess. Oh, the actor. Um, is one of the biggest villains in the Star Wars universe. That guy with the two lightsabers, where he's like, <laughs> "What's better than one? There's two. Close. Darth Maul. No. Uh, Jeremy Bullock. No. Um, it is the uh, is Clive Reville who played the Emperor in The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, the guy who had like the monkey eyes superimposed <laughs> yeah, over monkey, his face yeah, or whatever? I, yeah. I totally didn't know this. I assumed that Ian McDermott had always played uh, the Emperor, but uh, in fact there was an earlier Emperor, which I understand George Lucas has now gone back and uh, switched out. And he yeah. has a small part in uh, this movie. He plays the fire marshal. But a uh, very menacing fire marshal. I could feel a disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. Did you know that? I hope that... Did I know well, Did you know this? that it was a different guy? I guess he probably knew that. In Empire? Oh, yeah, okay. of course. All right. I just said I knew he had. they put a monkey eye on Well, I mean, maybe they put monkey well, eyes was, on Ian McDermott. There was also, like, wasn't it, like, one of the crew members, like, wife or something who was the face, and the, then there was the monkey eye, and then he did the voice? Or there was, it was some weird combination oh, of, of people. But, yeah, because, you know, when I watch Star Wars, I watch the uh, originals. I can't watch the... The the rejigger right. ones, but you know what? I watched I watched uh, all three of them with my older son recently, and at no point did he turn to me and say like, "Hey, that actor looks slightly different <laughs> than that other like ghoulish cloaked figure in the previous yeah. movie." All George Lucas's work has been for nothing, <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to rob uh, residual checks from from random British character <laughs> actors. <laughs> So this movie, we already talked about how it wasn't a huge success, but it does have a a pretty uh, interesting origin. It was inspired by uh, when an 11-year-old saw Prince of Thieves and thought that it was so bad that it should be parodied. And then that 11-year-old grew up to be Mel Brooks. (laughs) (laughs) No, but he told the guy, he told his dad, and his dad pitched it to one of his clients. He was a dentist. And then they got together and wrote this movie. And, uh, of course, the script was Mel Brooksified. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so that is what happened. So it was two guys wrote a parody and somehow it got to yeah, Mel Brooks. Yeah, and according to uh, one of the writers, J.D. Shapiro, the original title was Robin the Hood. 
Okay. Mm. It's two bees that, like good. robbing and then the yeah. hood. <laughs> Is that why they had that like cringy rap hip hop opening number? <laughs> yeah, that was in the original script. There was more of that, believe it or not. <laughs> it it, it really set the tone. It really set the tone for this movie. <laughs> One of those guys, I, I, I know uh, he wrote an article about it. It's a really funny article about how he... <laughs> became involved with Scientologists and recruited to write Battlefield. Yeah, that's right. That's the dude's only other real credit. I mean, the only one that I've heard of. And uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's done a lot since then. Wait, what's his name? The guy who did... uh... J.D. Shapiro. He does stand-up now. It's sort of... Oh, is that the same guy? Yeah, because he wrote a funny article about it because he's not a Scientologist, but he wrote Robin Hood and I guess like, you know, got invited to Hollywood parties and stuff and went to the Scientology Celebrity Center purely to uh, meet women. (laughs) (laughs) And somehow one thing led to another and he ended up like at dinner at John Travolta's house being pitched uh, the Battlefield Earth job. Do you think that's how Isaac Hayes got cast in this? Like maybe some sort of Scientology side deal? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah probably oh you know i one thing i wanted to mention was you know we talk about this movie being you know not as big as we remember it it must have like enough of a following that uh, uh i was like googling the movie as i was watching it just on my phone and randomly like the night i was watching it like at the same time a drive-in theater in texas was screening whoa it. Because, like, you know, drive-ins are big now because they're, the, you know, mostly the only theaters that are open. And so they're, they're showing a lot of older movies because there's no new stuff. And one of the movies they picked is Robin Hood Men in Tights. Well, this movie was, yeah, it was critically derided. It was pretty much a flop, though apparently not too much of a flop that they didn't give Mel Brooks more money. But it has definitely become more of a cult film Um you know, through the VHS release uh, and also on TV. I think Mel Brooks has said that it's one, it's his like best selling uh, DVD. Um, so that might have just been the timing of this movie for that. Well, for, for sure. I mean, that's exactly it. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like Young Frankenstein doesn't have the same sort of life on DVD. So it's probably not seen by the same sort of people or in the same sort of way. There were some other interesting casting ideas for this movie. J.D. Shapiro tried to convince Mel Brooks to cast Jim Carrey as the sheriff of Rottingham, which, of course, would have probably worked. He's, he's a very funny actor. Yeah. This was still very early in his career. Yeah. Before Patrick Stewart was cast as uh, King Richard... Apparently, Sean Connery wanted to do it because he, if you remember, played the king in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I think he got a bit of flack for it. But so he wanted to reprise his role, but he wanted to do it this time in drag. Okay. Okay. And uh, he he was going to do it for... (laughs) He was going to do it for a donation of a million dollars to a Scottish charity... But Mel Brooks wouldn't pony up for it. So they got Patrick Stewart instead, and somewhere the drag was dropped along the way. I think probably because they had Dave Chappelle and uh, the guys in drag earlier. We can't have mm. too much drag, or else it turns into, like, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> or else it turns into one of the most successful <laughs> television shows of all time. Yeah, that too. <laughs> 
They also tried to get Hulk Hogan was offered the part of Little John, but uh, oh. he, he turned it down because nobody calls him Little Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, the other thing, the other thing that this movie is sort of notable for um, is sort of, it's sort of sorted. But I don't know how to even talk about this. Do you guys know that about the other screenwriter for this movie? Did you read about any of that? Uh, no, no. But I'm scared now. Okay. Well, yeah. basically, like I did not know this before. Wait, there's two screenwriters for this movie, other than Mel Brooks, and one of them wrote Battlefield Earth, and the other did something. That's worse no, no, than no. writing battles. No, yeah. He didn't do anything like he's worse. He's outside our door or something. You're just like, he's, he's right there. <laughs> Did you guys know that? He's been listening on the Zoom call the whole time. <laughs> well, so what it is, is the screenwriter, Evan Chandler, his son, Jordy Chandler, which was the person who, you know, actually had the idea for this movie he was the first kid who publicly accused michael jackson of sexual assault oh my god and so oh god yeah and so evan his father he was a big part of like trying to put together the lawsuit and you know trying to get michael jackson to be accountable for uh this thing and it's a huge sordid story like Michael Jackson's defense team, including um, the Hollywood fixer Anthony Pellicano, Pellicaro, I can't remember his name, but he is the guy who his association with John McTiernan got McTiernan put in jail. So it's all part of that big story. Whoa. He like smeared Evan Chandler throughout the uh, throughout the whole process. And uh, eventually, I mean, shortly after Michael Jackson's death, he ended up uh, committing suicide. Oh, what, my uh, Chandler God. did? The, yeah. Oh my. The dad God. did. Yeah. Jesus. And yeah, it's just like thanks for lightening the mood with your <laughs> picking a Mel Brooks movie this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's awful. I had no idea. Uh, that's yeah. That's horrifying. I, I. That's one of those like news stories that you know I remember from when we were kids a little bit that I have never revisited. I know that like the documentary came yeah. out and I just I felt like I should watch it because people were talking about it and it's you know it's important. But I yeah man, especially as like a new parent, I could not bring myself to put myself totally. through that. It's just no. such a horrifying story. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those things that like. It's so terrible. Like, I don't even want to really bring it up, but it's sort of, you I, you sort of have to, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did he write other stuff? No, not really. I think this was pretty much it for his career. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So sad. I mean, they did end up getting, I believe it was like a $20 million settlement out of Michael Jackson, so... There was some sort of restitution, but uh, yeah, just not just uh, really unpleasant and uh, sad uh, shit. Is the son who came up with the idea? Is he in the public eye anymore? Is he? He's not in the public eye. It okay. seems like he is. Uh, yeah, he's avoiding it. Uh, which Fair enough. Is, yeah. yeah, I would too. Hopefully, he's like having you know a good life, able to move past whatever horrors he had to endure. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That's men in tights. Men in tights. Oh my god! Yeah, well, I, I can I could uh, lighten things up a bit with my Carrie Elwood. Oh story yeah, yeah, that yeah. I promised last year. Right. I uh, no, okay, it did yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm not it looks like it you're making it up. 
Just like, oh, I have this story. Just I, uh, give me two minutes to put it together. <laughs> Google Carrie Elwes anecdote. Just looking around the room to see things to weave into a story. <laughs> I was at the uh, microphone store, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. It was during TIFF, and I uh, went to interview him and Rob Reiner, who had just made a movie mm-hmm. together, and they also did like the uh, Princess Bride live reading right. thing. And it, it was like uh, one of those live readings where it was like the Jason Reitman thing, where they get like new actors to play, uh, you know, classic movie mm-hmm. characters. And so they had a whole new cast for Princess Bride, except then everyone was like, who are they going to get to play uh, Wesley Ooh. in the Princess Bride? And then they brought out Carrie Elvis because they were like, fuck it. Like, let's he's <laughs> this is the guy. Like, let's get him yeah. to do it again. Uh, still princely. And so, yeah. And so I got to, to interview both of them uh, and we had a good talk about. It was like right after my first son was born, and we were talking a lot about kids because it was also like a movie that Rob Reiner wrote with his kids. Right. We were talking, I was talking a lot about being a dad, and he was talking about being a dad. And Carrie always said he had kids, but he didn't really talk about it that much in the in our chat. And I was like really new, like I, it was like practically a newborn that I had uh, at that point. But uh, and as I was leaving. You know, I was just saying goodbye. I turned off my recorder and, you know, I grabbed my bag and everything. And Carrie always stood up and shook my hand and looked me directly in the eye with, you know, those piercing eyes that you've seen in, in, uh, in The Crush, among others. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, you're about to embark on the most wondrous journey. Whoa. That would have uh, been crazy uh, if you, like, opened the, very seriously. Opened the door next and it was just like... In the middle of space, and there's pirates around. <laughs> like what? Oh my god! No, but he was—he was like very sincerely, like uh, you know, I can't remember what he said exactly after that, but it was basically saying like uh, you know that being a, a parent was very meaningful to him, and he was uh, just really sweet Aww. about it. And uh, yeah, and uh, that always uh, made me feel good when I see Carrie Elwes and stuff, even when he's playing like a dirtbag mayor <laughs> in uh, <laughs> Stranger Things. That's, that's nice. a nice story. Yeah. So that's, and it, you know, I looked up one interview with him where he talked about this and he said, you know, when they were making this movie, it was just constantly laughing. Like everyone had a good, good time. That's good. I mean, how could you not when you're with Mel Yes. Yeah. Oh, I had some, uh, there was, did you guys watch the behind the scenes documentary? No. That, uh, there was a behind the scenes documentary and, uh, I watched it and got a few, got a few choice moments I wanted to share with you. It was very educational. The first one... Th- Please don't bring it down again. <laughs> don't. This would be like the cinematographer killed eight people. No. This is where a stunt goes wrong. You can see the guy's leg breaking. What? No, this oh, is just my. good, clean, behind-the-scenes stuff. This is uh, Richard Lewis commenting on the casting, I guess. I'm the one who should be with my Mary. Unfortunately, Sheriff is hornier than me. Mid Marion, you know a good sheriff of Rottingham. You look ravishing, my dear. I mean, I got to get a little action, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'll be in trouble. And I say action, kids. I don't mean, you know, love making. I mean, just you know, playing around. Some I movies. thought it was funny. <laughs> there are some scenes in this movie where even Richard Lewis seems confused as to why they cast Richard <laughs> yeah. Lewis. There's a good section with uh, Mel Brooks impressions. A lot of people give their Mel Brooks impressions. So this is Dave Chappelle's Mel Brooks impression. Here's the impression of Mel Direct. Who are these people? Look at all these people. Just give me six Jews in a camcorder, I'll make a movie. 
And uh, this last one is, of course, <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart. Jeez. This this man is a knight, for God's sakes. Robin Hood men in tights. I think we'll offer Trekkies a historical perspective on uh, men's underwear. <laughs> I just realized he also kind of played uh, Robin Yes, Hood. I would have accepted that. that he was episode. in that episode. Uh, yeah, Q-Tip was the name of that episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Mel Brooks-worthy pun there. <laughs> <laughs> you could build four minutes of a scene around that joke. Okay, so let's... Uh, Let's uh, give judgment upon this thing. Blaine, did you think this movie was rewatchable? I I would say that it is not rewatchable. I think there's just so many better Mel Brooks movies out there to watch. And I am going to, after this, it it really wet my whistle for for Mel Brooks. So I'm going to watch all the Mel Brooks movies after this. Well, you're just going to see all the same jokes. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, but maybe done better. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to say this is like, yeah, you know, not the best end of Mel Brooks. Uh, so, uh, so not rewatchable. What about you, JM? Uh, yeah, no. I didn't, you know, I, I and I almost feel like it's unfair because for I bet you could show this to a ten year old kid and they'd love it still. You know, like I think it it what appealed to me then probably would appeal to a kid now with the exception of some things like the casual racism, the casual homophobia, which I think I, you know, I ultimately think like it's not, it's not rewatchable. Even, even if I were somehow able to make a wish on the Zoltar machine and put myself in the body of a a small child and watch this movie, I don't think it holds up for, for those reasons we talked about. I also, even one thing I'll say one thing I appreciate about it is the fact that like they did a parody of Prince of Thieves, but used the aesthetic of like the Michael Curtiz, Errol Flynn movie. Like I like that they tried to make it a little, little more classic. And that movie, I mean, I haven't watched in a while, but I love, like, I love that original Robin Hood. Like I, I think it's funny. Like, like you said, they keep making Robin Hoods, but they kind of like peaked in you know 1938. And also, I'd like to say. Olivia de Havilland is still alive. Right. As of this recording, I mean, hopefully nothing will happen in the next week or so, but Olivia de Havilland, the star of that, of the 1938 Robin Hood, still going Should have got her for this one. Yeah, right? <laughs> or the next one they make. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, not not. not I, I mean, I was yeah, and also just kind of you know, it just dragged mm-hmm. on. It was an hour and forty five minutes. It could have been yeah, it could have been seventy five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I have to agree. I really wanted to enjoy this movie. There was stuff that I laughed at and stuff that I thought was funny, but yeah, it is stuff that you get in more concentrated doses in better Mel Brooks films. So I'm also gonna say not rewatchable. Damn. Yeah, I know. I thought this one was going to be rewatchable. I thought I was going to like see jokes that I missed upon the first time, and I and I didn't. I didn't. I saw the jokes and I remembered them, and that was all. Well, I saw jokes that I had forgotten, <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't. You know, some of them aren't really jokes, like the Will Scarlett O'Hara thing. It's just yeah. a. I don't know. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that's rewatchability for this week. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts. That's where you can go and rate and review us and also subscribe so you get it every week in your thing. Uh, we're also on Spotify and Stitcher and all of the other podcatchers. You can find us on Twitter. Tweet us there. We're on Facebook. Facebook us there. And if you want us to watch a particular movie or you would like to say something else to us, you can email us at rewatchability at gmail.com. And yeah, until next week, keep uh, keep your arrows pointed uh, not straight. I mean, point your arrows wherever you want to point them, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> it got it got political real fast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.